Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Parkinson's Recovery. This is Robert Rogers, and I want to welcome each and every one of you to this very special interview with Whit Deschner, who is the author of the award-winning book, Travels with a Kayak. I interviewed Whit uh, just several days ago and um, have received fascinating insights about what he has done to be able to get incredible relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. Witt lives on a ranch about 22 or so miles from the incredible city of Baker City in eastern Oregon, the United States. And uh, you'll hear from him some fascinating stories about all the kinds of things that he's done to get relief from his symptoms. So this is Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery, and we provide information, support, and resources uh, to individuals who have the symptoms of Parkinson's, um, who are looking for all kinds of things they can do to get relief from their symptoms. Here's the first segment of my interview with Whit. This is Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery, and my special guest today is Whit Deschner, who is author of Travels with a Kayak. And I want to thank you so much, Whit, for uh, being with us today. You're welcome, Robert. Um, I don't know about special guest. <laughs> well, to but me, you're... You're going to have to, uh, you're going to, have to edit this. Uh, <laughs> Kayak, it's kayak, Robert. Not, uh, I, 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 I uh, grew up in New York, so I can't, uh, okay. I well, can't speak English. You yourself already. <laughs> so tell us about yourself. Um, well, I'm, I'm 55, and I still have had Parkinson's for 10 years, and I still like to photograph and travel and hike and kayak. Um, and, you know, about, like I say, 10 years ago, the Parkinson's happened. I couldn't do anything about it. The other thing that happened that I couldn't do anything about was digital photography. And just trying to lead this to a positive direction, um, I, I, my finger froze one day on the shutter, and I had multiple exposures all of a sudden that I couldn't stop it, the camera from going off. And when I put them on the computer, I had a sense of movement um, through the pictures. And I started putting those to music, and it's anyway, it's been a pleasant detour in life that I was able to uh, discover this. It's not, I didn't discover it, but I discovered it for myself. And uh, if you want to see some of these um, visual, I don't even know what to call them, videos, uh, you can see them at my website at Salt Lake City or saltlickcity.com. Um, how's that for self-promotion? Yeah, that's great. Now, you better spell the website for people. Salt. S-A-L-T, Lick, L-I-C-K, City, C-I-T-Y, dot com. And what people are going to see is a video of the continuous shots of situations added to music. Is that right? That's, that's correct. I believe it's, um, you have to go to the galleries and you'll see the videos. And you can see the various ones I've done over the last couple of years, some of them. Anyway, that will give you an idea of... of what happened. <laughs> now, do you do the music too? Well, what happened is I started, believe it or not, I ended up at the Cowboy Poetry Gathering in Elko, the national one. And they said, when I first ran it past them, they said, you know, Bonanza doesn't work. We can't do that because of copyright. So I called up my nephew real quick, who's a jazz musician up in Seattle. And I said, quick, can you do me a core for this? 
and he sent me back a jazz tune, which, believe me, they hadn't heard the likes of in Elko before. But um, anyway, they were very happy with it, and they asked me back. And the next year, I did a, I bought the rights to a Dixieland jazz, uh, Dark Eyes, and that really worked well. So uh, who knows what I'm going to use this next year? <laughs> right. Many people believe that once you have the symptoms of Parkinson's, you are destined to get worse. Has this happened for you? Well, you know, life's a bitch, and you, then you get PD, then you die. Isn't, isn't that how it goes? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you just have to... Yeah, I think this is what little the games when you're young prepare you for. Uh, you know, go to jail, go directly to jail. Oh, right. I just think that's... Um, you know, you get one of those cards, and you just cuss, and, and then you just get on with the game, and that's... You, you, that's, that's all there is to it. But yes, I've, I've, to answer your question, I, I, I've got a little worse, but it's um, it's, it's not too bad. And the other thing that I was lucky with is it hit my um, I'm right-handed and it hit my left side. Most times, Parkinson's hits first your side that you're whatever handed you are. Oh. You know, it's sort of like um, what what is it? I give my left arm to be ambidextrous. ambidextrous. Right. Have you been a photographer your entire life? I've taken pictures my entire life. I, I, I still don't really consider myself a photography. I just got back from a trip, and I took half the film or half the digital images on a manual setting. Uh, I took them at scenery pictures, and I took them at about 10 feet focus. So that, that's, that's the sort of photographer I am. <laughs> but every once in a while, I get a fun shot or what they like. Well, uh, for you, what has changed uh, in your life uh, for the better after uh, you were diagnosed with Parkinson's, which, uh, as you mentioned, was about 10 years ago? Well, that's a, that's a good, simple question, because I, I had to stop commercial fishing, which I was very happy about. <laughs> fish for 20 years. So that was a demanding uh, job that you were happy to let go of. Yes, absolutely. And then what did you substitute uh, that with? Well, the antithesis of that is I couldn't get any um, fresh fish. I no longer had access to getting fresh fish. So that was, a, that was probably the worst thing that happened to me when I got Parkinson's. So that was the downside. That was the downside. <laughs> And did that mean that your photography then uh, was uh, uh, enhanced as a result of having a little more time to do it? It it, it really did. It, it, to me, it said, well, hey, you can't fish all your life anyway, and you you got to switch gears. And it became it almost became selective neglect, a uh, process of selective neglect to just weed out the things that, you know, I just don't have time for in life that you think you do when you don't have something like Parkinson's. It just emphasizes the point of just how to how we're here today and just do the most to enjoy it. Um, right. Don't don't make the extra trip to the town to get your coffee or whatever. Maybe not coffee, but uh, you know, rutabagas or uh, Brussels sprouts or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now you live in Baker City, Oregon. Is that right? I live about. That's my mailing address. I live 27 miles out of Baker. 
I live off the grid, but I but I do have DSL. Oh, you do. <laughs> and uh, you do you have horses? Is that right? Um, I have I have three. My wife Carol has about well, it's I don't even like to count them. I think it's ten, twelve. We were up to twenty there for a while. There. Um, that's one of the that's the video I did this year at the Cowboy Poetry Gathering. Oh. Of just how uh, how the horses just are. You, you remember that episode on Star Trek, the Tribbles? Anyway, they just they're cute fuzzy things that took over the spaceship, and they I think they were started to attack um, Scotty's dilithium crystal, so it got very personal. And anyway, that's that's how it happened here. Oh, how yeah, interesting. I'd leave and just another horse would show up out of the blue just with no reason at all. And they would join the flock then. Is that sort of what happened? Absolutely. <laughs> That's great. And so what people are going to see when they go to the website that you just gave people the address of will be the video that you mentioned of taking pictures one after the other. Uh, uh, in this case, what, you're, what they're going to see are the horses. Yes, it's... it's this one, this year, it was called Triggers and Tribbles, or Tribbles and Triggers. Oh, great title. I love it. Now, over the past uh, uh, 10 years since you've had Parkinson's, you've talked about some of the good things that have happened. What's what's changed for the worse for you? Oh, I think I, uh, well, I, I use aging. I use it as, as an excuse for aging, I think. Um, I'm certainly not as mobile as they used to be, mobile. Um, I I really can't complain because I, I really do I keep traveling and I, I still can kayak and I can still hike and I, I can do all the things I like to do. So it's, it's, it's really not worse, Robert. It's, it's more of a just things are different. Oh, great answer. So where have you traveled to here in the last uh, year or two? Uh, Bhutan, um, Washington, D.C. I'd never been to Washington, D.C., and I just thought, well, I'd better go. I had a $50 ticket to get there. Uh oh So that was it's almost mandatory that I go. Did you take your kayak, or or did you just see the sights? Um, I saw the sights. I, I was going to go kayaking, but it was snowing back there, and I insisted that they that the local group not take me out kayaking. So, and, and it's probably one thing I could use the Parkinson's as an excuse for not to do. <laughs> so that's the benefit, right? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> that's great. Um, let's see, I went to India. I was trying to think, where else? I'll have to get out the passport. The memory's going, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, for all of us. And, and um, if I understand from just reading your website you're really you've been a world traveler your entire life that is you've you've been on the road and traveling uh really since you were young yes uh, my dad was a boeing rep and i lived in sydney australia in the 60s and then in, later on in the 60s in dublin ireland for a couple of years so I was, I was really lucky that way. You're, as a kid growing up, you're reluctant to move, but uh, looking back, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And it, it did get me. It's easier for me to buy a ticket and go someplace. And, and I think some people that have been static in one place all their life. And 
the other thing, um, I don't do it, but as an excuse, you can get on the plane first. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Talking about benefits, uh, are there places that are top on your list that you want to be sure to uh, visit uh, that you haven't seen before? I'm planning to go to Mongolia this August. Uh, um, I've never been to South Africa. I'd like to go there. Did I play one card at a time. Oh. Now, is there anything that's drawing you to Mongolia? Well, this, um, I, I, I always like to go with some purpose in mind. When we went to, when we went to Bhutan, it was uh, kayaking, and I was asked, actually asked there to go for free because I'd given my book to, it, it, he's the pretty much the king's right-hand man. He was over at an uh, outdoor show, and I'd give it to given him my book as a promotion 10 years ago and by golly he went ahead and read the thing and liked it and um, a friend of mine was running trips over there and asked me if I wanted to come and I said I can't afford it he said well I'm dealing with Yugen and he said you read your book and you can come for free so, oh. <laughs> so I, I couldn't resist doing that one of the benefits of being an author huh absolutely finally paid off after 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> now, from this... Um, yes. To answer your question, though, um, Mongolia, my neighbor, my neighbor's cousin is a rangeland manager. He's got his doctorate in rangeland management. And he's been going over to Mongolia for the last 25 years. And so I started talking to him, and he said, well, why don't you come on one of these... I'm going to collect my data, drive around in a van, and collect my data. And then he knows the language, and you know you're not seeing it from a, a tourist standpoint. You're seeing it from a practical or a ground level, or just another perspective on the country. What an exciting thing to do! So you're going to be his research assistant? No, I'm not even going to be that. I'm just going to go along for the ride. Oh, <laughs> that's even better, right? <laughs> now, so, from well, if they need scrambled eggs or something, I can always do that. <laughs> Now, from this uh, description of your lifestyle, um, people are going to uh, be wondering, you say you have the symptoms of Parkinson's, but uh, there's not much stopping you from doing really anything in your life. What are your symptoms? I have a very standard ones. I, I drag my foot on one side. I'm, kind of, I'm freezing up. I'm shaking left hand. And the one that really bothers me the most is just I, the inability to sleep at night, and I just I'm really tired then during the day. Um, what's, what's the word? Entropy. Yeah, there's, I think it's just a brilliant word. You know, there's just not enough energy for the the task at hand, no matter what it is. <laughs> right. This is Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. You're listening to an interview that I had with Whit Deschner author of Travels with a Kayak, uh, just last week. Uh, if you'd like to be able to get updates at any time about all of the radio program topics or what we're discovering here at Parkinson's Recovery about what people are doing to get wonderful relief from their symptoms, you can always sign up for the free newsletter by going to the main website, and that's parkinsonsrecovery.com. 
You can also connect up to the chat room and uh, and talk with individuals in writing uh, over the course of this particular interview. So this is Whit Deschner, uh, Travels with a Kayak, and you can actually connect up and see more information about his book if you'll simply click on the link Travels with a Kayak that you'll see on this particular link page on the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. Back to Whit. What do you do uh, to get relief from your symptoms, or more specifically, what therapies or activities have been most beneficial to you? Uh, boy, just staying active, uh, just trying to go out for walks or just do something physical every day. I haven't tried any. Um, so to live out in the country, it's really hard to discipline myself to do stretches and yoga, things like that, without a... Nazi taskmaster. Otherwise, if I lived in town, I would definitely go to yoga and things like that, stretching or Pilates or what have you. As it is out here, I'm pretty active on the ranch, just um, moving bales of hay around and running after loose horses and putting up fence, mowing lawn. So basically every day you're really out with getting a lot of physical activity of various types. I'd like to, I'd like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> what about diet? I think diet's a big, I think it's a big deal. Um, it's not so much eating the correct foods. Well, I think it is, but... Um, I just try to make sure I have a meal, morning, lunch, and nighttime or dinner, and just having the calories to burn off, um, I think is very important. If I go without a meal, I can really feel it. The symptoms just start coming on. Oh. So it's, it's like you're feeding the rat sort of thing. <laughs> so you do you eat when you first get up in the morning? I do. I'll have a piece of toast. If I'm if I'm up early, I'll just have a piece of toast or something. And the other thing is the medications. Um, I think it's important to take them religiously on, on when you're supposed to, which I don't. Um, just you know, forget them for if I forget them kayaking or something like that. I really pay the pay my dues for it. But, and I'm not a person who really learns quick. Teaching old dog new tricks. <laughs> But at least I'm aware of those, those things, of what I should be doing. And so you, for the medications, uh, they need to be taken uh, on a regular schedule of uh, two or three times a day? Correct, three times a day. And actually take um, some before bed also. Uh, how do you maintain such a positive attitude? Well, I, boy, um, I think... You just have to. <laughs> it's it's you know and there you know there's fits of depression or fits of being down about it. But it's, you, you just can't live your whole life like that. Um, life's too short to to be down about it. I mean, like I say, these are the cards you get. It's a go to jail, go directly to jail. And, <laughs> right. Which and is the like, monop isn't that the monopoly card you get? Yes. 
What would you want to be sure and say to an individual who has just been diagnosed with the symptoms of Parkinson's? What would you like for them to hear? I just just say stay active and be curious, and you know you live one day at a time, and don't. I, my problem when I first got it was I was, it was like, oh shoot, I just um, you know was, this is really going to change your life. And it does, but it's 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 a matter of acceptance after a while. I mean, there was a couple of years where I felt very non-productive, and I realized inside I'm still the same person. And you just have to do what you have to do. And, and I, the photography diverted me. It, that really took my mind off. I remember it, it was when. What happened to me is it was one night or one morning I woke up and it was oh shoot I don't have Parkinson's wasn't the first thing on my mind it was like you know I had a project to do or something and that was the biggest step of just realizing that one morning I'd woken up and and I just realized that that wasn't the first thing on my mind that I was had this ball and chain around my foot that I could carry the ball and just get on with what I was um, had to do or wanted to do. Well, for that morning when you woke up and you didn't, that was not your first thought, how long did it take you to realize that you didn't have that thought? Was it later in the day or later in the week? Uh, it, it was intermittent, um, but I, I no longer wake up and think that at all. I just, I, I'm thinking, what do I do today or what's my schedule or what, do I, what would I like to get accomplished? Um, it, it, it's a transition period, but it was, it was a, once I realized what was going on, it was very important to me that that change had taken place. And for a person that first gets Parkinson's, I think just say, um, just got to stay curious and stay active. And that's, that's how you're going to float through it. And I realize I've been, you know, like I say, I've been very lucky getting it in my side that's not afflicted. Um, I can still write with my right hand, although my, my, I can't read it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so when you, uh, for instance, uh, wrote your book, uh, did you do that on a keyboard or a computer, or did you do it in uh, longhand? I um, I did it on the keyboard. Um, I right now I have a I have a word recognition program that doesn't recognize me. It, it always when I sign off my name it signs it off as what. <laughs> Not wit, huh? That's, <laughs> That's right. really funny. So I when you say word rec, is this uh, like the uh, dragon naturally speaking, where you uh, dictate and the program actually writes what it is that you said? No, it's it's dragon, but it doesn't actually write what you say. Um, I, when I first got it, it, it's very hard to train the dragon. Um, you need a computer with very few programs on it, so it's fast. And, and when I first got it, I read the, um, oh, I just had this book that had all these little things like the Declaration of Independence and stuff, the Ten Commandments. I think the Seventh Commandment was, um, they shall not commit adultery. And it came out, Michelle recommended only. <laughs> The only thing it didn't give me was her phone number. So. <laughs> That's really fun. <laughs> so that wasn't a particularly successful strategy for you, sounds like. Well, writing, I found that it, it, writing was very frustrating. It still is for me. 
because my train of thought goes directly through my fingers into the keyboard, and, you know, I could write, like, 60 words a minute, and I still can, just as long as, like, it's the letter, the word I or A. I could still type those at 60 minutes a word a minute, but otherwise it's very... That was a joke, Robert. <laughs> right. But I, I can... I, I can... I, what I do, I do the drag, and then I edit it. And, but it's just not the same stream of consciousness that I found was so easy before. Oh. It just when you pause and have to correct stuff over and over again, you really lose your train, derail your train of thought, right. which was probably empty anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now, are there activities or things uh, that you do every day? Uh, that help you uh, laugh all the time? Oh, I mean, if I'm really down the dumps, I just I try to read something funny or watch watch an old funny movie or something along those lines or, or do something very physical. Um, just go out and push the mower around the, the grass or something. Just... Wash the dishes. I mean, that washing the dishes to me is something I can do every day and, and actually see something get accomplished. Oh, right. Now, um, have you have you always in your life had a funny bone? Have you always had this incredible sense of humor since you were young? I think more it was a um, it was a defense mechanism, and I moving around and. You couldn't help but go and see these how other people live and and make fun of them. <laughs> I, I didn't make fun of them openly, but I thought, well, why would anybody want to join this club? Or what did Groucho Marx say? I don't want to join a club, each club that would have me. <laughs> oh. But no, but I just think just having that attitude it developed into a way of thinking, and it's not like I was never um, unaccepted, but it was just. You just had to ask, well, why aren't I, why aren't I the popular football player? Um, that sort of thing. And then, you know, well, I don't want to be a. I kayaked in high school, and I still kayak. I don't see any of those those guys now playing football. So. Oh, good point. <laughs> That's exactly right. What are they doing? Sitting in front of the TV, watching drinking football, their, yeah. watching football uh, pretzels and beers. What they're doing, <laughs> so, with with probably fat bellies, if uh, maybe not true for everyone, but <laughs> right. yeah, it's funny because everybody said, you know, when I reached forty five, I'd get, I'd get a belly and all that stuff. Well, I grew nose hairs and I got Parkinson's. I never did get the belly, so. Uh, <laughs> and again, how nose hairs I can do something about. And how old are you now? 55. Mm -hmm. Remind everybody. All right. So uh, tell us about your book. Um, I started, actually, I, I started naively. I did a book as my college project um, from Evergreen College. Um, it's, a, it's a liberal college where you sort of write your own ticket. And I actually got my degree in, in writing. I don't know what anything more than that. I never really looked at my diploma. I can't tell you. I don't even know where my diploma is. <laughs> this is the Evergreen down the street from where I live in Olympia, Washington, right? Oh, is that where you are? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We're Evergreen. just, we're uh, on Cooper Point Road, so we're just down the street from Evergreen. 
You bet. You bet. <laughs> uh, well, maybe we should start this interview over. <laughs> no, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> well, for for the listeners that don't know, the the symbol there is the gooey duck. And the reason they have the gooey duck is it looks like a phallic symbol, the gooey duck clam. And so if they ever went conventional and had a football team, they'd have these phallic-like gooey ducks on their helmets. <laughs> so anyway, what, what was the question, Robert? Well, I, was, uh, I wanted you to tell everybody about your book. And, well, you, right, and, yeah. you were, and actually you were talking about sort of the origins of your, your history with writing and uh, and your interest in writing, because this is not the only book you've written. So I, I, well, I stayed out of college for three years. I went back there, and, and I didn't know where to put an apostrophe to save my life. And I had to take a special English course off the side. And the woman teaching it kept using my stuff as an example. And I said, you know, this is pretty embarrassing. And she said, that's not the point. Your writing is much better than all these other people. And if I use them, it would just... I just don't have any example. It's so bad. And I, I still stay in touch with her. This is 25, 30 years later. Anyway, from that, I decided I was going to write a guidebook to the Washington Rivers. And after I, so that was my, one of my projects there was to just drive around Washington and kayak the rivers and write the description of it up. And then I thought, well, heck, I'm selling out. So I, the book changed into a kind of philosophical look at kayaking. And naively, I printed up 5,000 copies, and, and it, it was something that just caught on. It was called Does the Wetsuit You? And I sold out within three years of the run, which was it's pretty darn good. for. That was where you had to answer up the type, or they had a, I forget what it was called, um, the typesetter. At the yeah, yeah, that was a big, big deal, yeah. And the computer was just coming in, and... I started commercial fishing. I said, well, I'll write a book about commercial fishing. That was like a 10-year project of just keeping the notes. That was called Burning the Iceberg after an old Jelly Roll Morton tune. <laughs> and then I was the next year we had a bad strike up there, so I was trying to, I was writing my skipper, and I was just saying, you know, trying to make fun of it all. And three weeks later, I just kept, was still writing the letter, and I said, well, I'll just publish this, put a few pictures in. It's called How to Be a Jerk in Bristol Bay. <laughs> And I sold out 2,000 copies in the first season, and I made more money doing that than I did the fishing. Oh, year. my God. That's a great story. In fact, the guy, the skipper on the boat, was quite peeved, you know, because I was selling books off the deck as we were working. <laughs> <laughs> the other crew could see I was making, doing far well better than they were. Yeah, right. And so with that money, I, I said, well, I'll revive the, the, the Does a Wet Suit You, and I did one called Travels with a Kayak along the same lines and that actually won the um, Benjamin Franklin award for humor which was pretty funny because I got this call and this person said I'd like to buy the book that won the award and I hung up on him I said no book won award here the phone rang again and she said well I'd like do you, is your name Whit Deschner I said yes and she said did you write Travels with a Kayak and I said yes and I said well you won this award and I said well this is the first I've heard about it <laughs> That's really so. Somebody wanted to buy the book, but uh, you didn't even know you got the award. That's right. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So, uh. so I wrote that, and anyway, I've been to New Zealand three times, and they have a book that was called um, 
it's still called We Will Not Cease. It was written by a conscientious, conscientious objector in World War One, and just incredible what that man went through. And, and I came across the book, and Pal Penguin put it out last in New Zealand. And Penguin, just the New Zealand Australian Penguin, still Penguin put it out down there. And I came across it in Pal's books there in Portland again, and bought the book, and I was so impressed with it. I bought the rights for it in, here in North America. And so pretty much all the money I saved up from all the kayaking and fishing books, I put it sunk into this book, and I fell flat on my face. So 30 years later, I'm, I'm pretty much back where I started uh, with my publishing. How interesting. It, it, it's not a funny book in any means. It, it's just what this individual's fight was just not to fight in this war, or just how ridiculous World War One was, well, all wars are, but um, just really admire the man for what he did. He was a New Zealander, Kiwi. Uh, so, uh, if people would like to be able to acquire uh, Travels with Kayak, how would they do that? I, or they just type in Travels with a Kayak. It might bring them to the Amazon site, which I I'm just selling the books direct now. Um, they, they go to saltlickcity.com. It's still spelled S-A-L-T-L-I-C-K-C-I-T-Y. So if a uh, uh, person is looking for a good dose of humor, this is a good place to get it. They did, just the website alone, I, I think, will... If you don't like the website, you won't like the book. You won't like the book. So the website, it tells all, so to speak, uh, in terms of what a uh, person's going to get with the book. So is this uh, uh, sort of the summary of a lot of your experiences uh, kayaking all over the world? Yeah, I wouldn't call it. Uh, it might be a little more on the fictitious side or um, embellished where facts didn't fall where I thought they should have. So you're saying that everything that you write about is not necessarily totally and honestly true. Is that is that correct? No, it's totally and honestly true. It was just the um, kind of beer I think that we were drinking at the time, <laughs> so it's not re- recollected correctly. Or right, right. I don't know if you've ever been like with these people 20 years later telling a story and you don't even recognize that you were part of what they're talking about. That's happened to you too. I'm thinking, Mike, was I there? <laughs> this is not my experience. I don't remember that. <laughs> uh, that's really funny. This is Robert Rogers back live from Parkinson's Recovery. You are listening to my interview with humorist and rancher from the grand state of Oregon, Whit Deschner, who is author of Travels with a Kayak. It's clear to me that it's important to be able to find ways to get support, positive thinking about uh, the prospects for recovery from the symptoms of Parkinson's. And clearly, Witt's book is one of the ways to do that. So I invite everybody to get a copy and find that when you dip into that book, you'll dip into his very same uplifting, energetic, positive energy. You can also do the same thing by connecting here 
at the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network at 11 o'clock Pacific Time every Thursday, where I interview individuals who had the symptoms of Parkinson's, who are doing all sorts of incredibly fascinating things to feel great and leave live incredibly interesting and productive and happy lives. I also interview individuals who are resident healthcare experts in one field or another who tell us about all the incredibly interesting things they do. We'll be actually airing interviews with naturopaths here in the very near future, asking them very specific questions about what they would do in response to very specific medical questions. If you have a specific medical question that you'd like to get a second opinion on, send it to me, Robert at parkinsonsrecovery.com and essentially I've got this list and I'm asking the same questions to two or three different naturopaths so you'll have some sense of how naturopaths look at medical kinds of situations and clearly one naturopath doesn't necessarily have the very same approach as another naturopath. Now the final segment of my interview with WIT involves for me what was a quite fascinating discussion about the only contest I'll think you'll find in the entire world that essentially looks at salt licks as sculptures. So what you're going to discover is uh, this is a contest that is available to you to enter if you have a licked salt lick anywhere on your ranch or farm. Uh, you can submit it to him, as you'll discover later on in the interview, or if you live in another country other than the United States, you'll have to send a picture. This is, uh, again, the only contest of, its, uh, if, uh, of, of this type uh, that you'll find anywhere in the universe, and it's one that actually raises money for Parkinson's research. My final segment of my interview with Whit Nishner humorist and rancher from near Baker City, Oregon. Now, on your website, uh, you um, have an announcement of a uh, salt lick contest. Tell people what that's all about. <laughs> I, I, was, I was out hiking years ago, and I thought I lived down the Wallowas, Baker, eastern Oregon, and I saw all these salt lakes out there just in the in the range lands and, and just thought some of them were brilliant pieces of works of art compared to what you can see in front of the federal buildings like up in Seattle and stuff. <laughs> right. And I just really admired them and I don't know what how it really happened but I, I, I was just talking one day about these salt lakes I said you know they should have a contest. This friend of mine is a coffee brewer here in town and I asked him would you, would you want to sponsor this. I wasn't sure where I was going with it, but he said no, that Salt Lake's had nothing to do with coffee. It'd probably turn them off. Or so, but I, just speaking about it got me to do to take action on it. I thought, well, how could this run as a contest? So I went to the, the um, grain distributors here, the ranch stores, and I said, would you sponsor this? If people bring in a used block, will you give them a new one? They said, sure. It's it's like six dollars a block or something, and you're allowed to bring in two for the contest. And then uh, I went around to all the businesses and got like fifty dollars each from them. I hit about fifty business or twenty businesses up and them for twenty dollars, fifty or fifty dollars. 
And so that provided me with the prize money that I gave to the ranchers. Then I had a panel judge of the um, kind of the art guild here, judge all the salt licks for first, second, third place. First got like $300, second 200 and third 100 Last year I got a little carried away. I had the salt box that looked most like Janet Reno or Michael J. Fox. <laughs> and Janet Reno actually wrote back and she said, well, I'd like a salt box, the salt box that looks most like me. Like a picture of it. Well, I just fed extra the salt block. <laughs> That's great. She got the whole thing then. Yeah, I never, I never got back a word of thanks. So <laughs> that was the most popular item she ever received in the world. <laughs> That's really. I wonder what she did with it. I don't know. I had some people come up to me and said, "You know, we just moved here and we were out hiking. We came across this unique rock, so we brought it home. We put it in the yard and." She didn't want to mention to her husband. Her husband husband didn't want to mention to her that they kept thinking this rock was growing smaller in their yard. Not only that, everything was dying around it. Well, they'd picked up a salt block and put it in their yard thinking it was this unique rock. And, and So anyway, I wasn't the same person that looked at them as an art object. And I'm sure lots of people have admired them, but no one's been dumb enough to go ahead and make a contest out of it. But having said that, it, what I... Well, I did them with the blocks was at an auction. And for a little, I mean, there's about 10,000 people in this community. And there's about 100 people came to the auction. My neighbor's an auctioneer. It's a really good one. And we raised about $4,000 in the first one. I think we earned $5,700 for the next one. Anyway, people, the average salt block went for about $300. Whoa. And... One guy wrote a poem with an unlicked salt block, and that one actually went for 225. Um, so the people, it's, it's just a real fun event. Then I bought a cow in the FA kids. I had them bring a cow in in case I had a, a runoff in case for, I had a tie for second place. So I let the cow in the building and had her pick out. <laughs> the cow picked out. The, that's, that's great. And the cow, the choice of the cow was clear. The, the 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 cow was not equivocal about which one was best. Is that right? No, it wasn't rigged at all. It was not rigged, right? <laughs> so, uh, how many entries uh, uh, are you getting for the Salt Lake contest? There's been about 40 each year, and you can also see those at the Salt Lake, uh, the 2007-2008 Salt Lake. Um, there's a little bit in there on the website that you can see the different entries. And I had one actually bronze that I really liked, just wonderful lines on it. And it was, if you want to know, it's 1200 bucks to, to bronze a salt lick. And one of the ranchers, I auctioned it off, and one of the ranchers actually bought it. Just paid paid for the cost of the thing, but just a real, real nice art object. Wow. Now, when people buy the salt lick sculpture, at the auction, uh, what do they do with it? Do they take it home and put it on their fireplace mantle or on their kitchen table, or uh, what happens to it? Some of them are the businesses here in town. Probably half of them have been bought by the businesses that actually sponsor the thing. Um, they really get into it. Uh, the, the bronze one was displayed in the jeweler's window for about three months. And, um, some of them just put the salt back out <laughs> and have it licked, licked to oblivion over the years. 
travel or whatever over the winter. Oh, you had re-entries. And then oh. I have people that are out there turning the salt blocks. Um, yeah, there's only so much you can do for rules in this thing, but you know, I don't let people. You know, I don't let people put their kids in the closet for three days with a salt lick. And <laughs> that's also prohibited by the rules. Yeah, DNA. We test it for DNA. Okay, so does uh, the contest rules then discriminate against humans? Absolutely. Although, if you want to, if you want to enter one that's been licked by you personally, Robert, I will let it in the contest. You, oh, you will? You really? Oh my God! Well, have you ever had anybody that's tried to slip one in that they actually licked? Has that ever happened? Well, no. I had one that was forged. I did it myself. <laughs> you did it yourself. I took the grinder in the shop, and if you want to ruin your tools really quick, just take a salt block and take a grinder to it. And the next day, you'll wake up, and every tool in your shop, with any metal at all exposed, will look like it's been on the Titanic for a hundred years, Whoa. brought up to the surface. What were you trying to sculpt when you were using your tools with it? I did a uh, skull with an arrow through it and called it the Kennedy Assassination Alternative Theory. <laughs> so what's the theory? The, the Kennedy Assassination Alternative. The Alternative Kennedy Assassination Theory. Oh. It, it sold for about $275. Oh, I see. And it ruined every tool in my shop. The drills, everything, the chucks on them. <laughs> so I, I was paid severely for forging my own. <laughs> you did. So you didn't actually tell people that that's what, where it came from until later? Well, obviously with an arrow through it and a skull was a, a forgery. So It looked like it wasn't uh, actually created from uh, the licks of a cattle then. Now, no, no, it, absolutely not. It, it doesn't have to be just uh, cattle, though. Uh, other animals can also qualify, cats or... Uh, well, I don't know about raccoon. cats. I mean, um, well, they can lick all the salt all they want. Goats, primarily it's just the farm. Goats, elk, deer, cattle, horses. Now, horses are kind of abstract. They're... They're, they're modern art at its worst. Uh, goats are a little more articulate. They they go in for detail. Cows do a kind of a broad brush. I, I, I sort of like cows the best. It's just this broad brush approach to, well, I don't know, to art or salt lick, which they call it. What's art? I don't know. Well, so you, you've got so much experience with this. You can almost look at a sculpture and tell what animal actually licked it. That and I, but I happen to know where it came from also. Help us the ranchers to enter it. So, and right. a lot of them were, I got a lot of entries. I didn't ask for it, but I got a lot of entries with poems that were explaining their salt licks. And uh, so I had a poetry section of the contest, too, like $75 for the best poem. The, the goats are really do a lot of little sculpting, and the horses just bite the things. It just, they have no. Oh, they're biters. They're not lickers. They're biters. Well, they do both, but I don't think they have a sense of aesthetics at all. You know, they're told <laughs> through the millennium of what to do by humans. So, <laughs> oh my God, not much imagination there. And this is somebody who uh, has a lot of horses on his ranch. <laughs> well, I've watched them deface salt, lots of salt licks. So. Uh, but the, the deer are pretty. The deer are pretty meticulous about what they what they lick. And there's different kinds of salt licks. There's selenium and just white, plain iodized, and mineral licks. And they're different colors, and the 
the mineral, the trace mineral and the selenium are the best for um, best best for entry. There's something about just the plain white salt that um, washes out the, the finer features. Oh, so a salt lick is not just a salt lick. It it, uh, it could, could no. have different origins. Can you explain? You know, there may be some people who have no experience at all with a salt lick. Can you explain the size of a salt lick to people who don't know? I think they're what about twelve by nine by nine by nine by twelve, something like that. But you wouldn't believe how many people came up to me and said, you know, we used to lick salt as kids, which which probably explains <laughs> a lot about the ranchers in general. <laughs> but did you ever lick a salt lick when you were a kid? I don't think I did, no. Um, <laughs> I did have an uncle who had a very large ranch in Wyoming that I visited when I was very young, and uh, that's why I know about salt lakes because we'd uh, put them on the uh, truck and go out and give them to the cattle. So that's my experience. And you can't remember whether you licked them or not? You can complain here. I don't remember licking them. I thought that was for the animals, not for the humans. How do you like that? So, uh, no, I was very limited in my, my thought forms. Now, how can I acquire an animal uh, that you could uh, give me a guarantee would be a good salt licker? Oh, I, I can't. It's it's it, it's not something that's been passed down to the genes. It's it's you're just lucky if you get one, or and and if it's, if not, I think you could take it out and turn it or put it in your neighbor's yard or something. Now, um, I understood from what you said earlier that uh, the wait, wait 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 a sec, Robert. Would you like to buy a horse? <laughs> well, I don't have much of a place to put a horse where I live. Uh, we have raccoons. We have deers. We have a fox family who live in our little yard, but I don't think we have enough room for Are you selling a horse? If you want to buy one, there's always a horse for sale here. Oh, at your, at your, well, so that's for everybody to know. How do they get in touch with you, Wed, if they want to buy a horse? Well, my, my, <laughs> my email's on there. I don't want my wife to know about this. So, um, so she's not selling them, but you are? horses I sell. <laughs> Now, uh, I don't think miss one. To, to be clear, though, I want, I want to be sure everybody is clear about the rules because you may get some submissions from uh, all over the world. Uh, well, I've had one from I've had one from Germany and one from Wales. Oh, that's pretty far away. But they can't. Um, unfortunately, they can't send the salt lick because of disease. Worry about disease, so they can send a picture of the salt lick in. Oh, but that's, that's a problem. If you live overseas, if you live in the states, you have to. It has to be a physical salt lick. Oh, but overseas, a picture will do. Is that right? And as I understand it, uh, there is not a rule that says that the salt has to be licked uh, within the last 12 months. That is, you. Uh, no, I, I never thought of that. But that's a that's a good thought. That may, no, that might be a rule up for consideration. Then is that what you're saying? Well, if I get a thousand salt licks here in the mail, yes, I might have to retroactive it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, when is the contest this year? This is 2009. It'll be September. About September 18th, uh, there's a weekend in there. I think I believe Saturday's a, the 18th of September, and they're holding at Baker's Fall Festival this year. It'll be the highlight of the festival, which I, I guess it's a highlight. <laughs> anyway, it'll be the auction will be Saturday night, and all the salt blocks I will list on the um, I post them on the website. So. 
theoretically, the first year we had a live call-in auction, and the bidders on phone quickly dropped out. The locals were very protective of their salt licks here, so they were quickly outbid. Oh. So we we might have a live phone, but it, it gets pretty complicated. If somebody wants to really have their heart set on one that they see on there, we we can accommodate them. Okay, and then how do they get in touch with you? Again, through the uh, the website. Um, they can, I think, salt. Um, Wit at saltlakecity.com will also work, which I think is on the website also, but it's wit, W-H-I-T, at saltlakecity.com. And there's also, I believe, a phone number, too, as well. It's 541-893-6403 or 1-800-555-1212. Are you uh, currently writing another book? I've I've got a collection of humor pieces that I've done, but right now it's at the stage where if I put it in about 20-point type, it would make a 100-page book. That's about kid-sized type. So I've, I've got a little more work to do on it, and I have no idea what I'm going to call it yet. Oh, but that's in the works. That's in the works. And coming out. Um. I'd like to say coming out, but that's, that's we're, we're talking a year or two here still. Uh, uh, and can you give people a clue about uh, some of the themes of the humor that, that, that are in the book? I'm sorry, Robert, the tickets Can you give uh, people any hint about uh, more about what the book's about in terms of the humor? Um, some of it is about Parkinson's. I think um, – I should have looked at my website before I came on here, Robert, but I think there's a couple articles with, regarding Parkinson's on there. Um, there's a couple pieces of writing that will be in the book that are on the on the website. Under there, You can find them under writing. I think there's one about um, actually the word recognition, problems with word recognition on there. It's, it's like a three-page little bit on it. Oh, oh great. Uh, now, uh, y- are there any other uh, questions that I want to be sure and ask you that I haven't asked you? Um, maybe that one right there. I, I, <laughs> I can't think of anything offhand, Robert. Uh, well, I want to thank you so much for uh, telling us your experiences and telling us about your book, Travels with a Kayak. And well, I, 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 I don't want to. Inter- well, I did, just did interrupt you. <laughs> I just wanted to say all the proceeds from the auction go to OSHU there in Portland um, for research. And it's funny, my neighbor, like well, my neighbor, he lives an hour away, but he's got he has Parkinson's and he was being treated there at OSHU. He still is. And the doctor mentioned that he kayaked, and my neighbor said, "Well, my neighbor Whit Deshner here kayaks," and the neurologist said, well, I used to kayak with him 30 years ago. <laughs> so that's how I ended up going to OSHU, ended up there. And that's why the money goes there. Yes. And so uh, tell people what those initials stand for. Pardon me? The, the initials of the... Uh, oh, Oregon Health Science University. And, and it's in Portland, Oregon. It's in Portland. Right. 
and they do and they do wonderful work in, in, in there in terms of research, and they're really cutting edge in terms of uh, of where they're going. They are. I think they receive um, something like the second most amount of grant money in the U.S. for any of all the Parkinson research. I believe. Uh, I'm probably wrong on that, but they, they do get a substantial amount of money. Oh, that's amazing. That. And the researchers are open to experimenting and, and trying out all sorts of different possibilities. They're, uh, they're very open to, uh, to consider really anything. So they're doing good work there. It's a good cause. So that's where the money goes when uh, somebody pays $250 for their salt lick. So that's right. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Well, thank you so much for all the wonderful insights and stories, and um, I know many people will look forward to being able to read your book. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you, Robert. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Goodbye. See you. And it's Robert Rogers. I'm here back live after having talked with uh, Whit Deschner, author, photographer, artist, rancher, and clearly humorist. If you're interested in purchasing a horse or purchasing his book, Travels with a Kayak, or if you'd like to submit an entry to the Salt Lake uh, Contest in Baker City, Oregon, you can contact Witt uh, at the following phone number that he gave us just a minute ago, 541-893-6403. Witt Desner, thank you very much from uh, my heart for a truly fun and entertaining uh, discussion with you. I'm now uh, connecting with area code 4541. You're live and on the air. Hello. Oh, hi, Robert. This is Hello. Hi, Paul and Ginger calling. Oh, hello there, Paul and Ginger. How are you two? We're fine, thank you. We enjoy your show very much. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Wasn't that a wonderful discussion with Wit? Well, you know what we did? We went on to the web while we were listening, so we've been looking at his website. It is hilariously funny. <laughs> it is really funny, isn't it? Everyone should just click onto it just to enjoy his, his wit and humor, whether you need a good reason to laugh or not. <laughs> right. Do you know anybody who has salt licks that they can enter into the contest? We're going to start watching now for salt licks. <laughs> Great. We actually live right above um, an area which is um, farming. farming, farming area. We look out over the ocean, and down right below us is um, a, a series of farms. And we've never really paid attention to the salt licks before, but we are now. Oh, right. You'll have to begin taking pictures of them. <laughs> you can send them to wet. You're you're on uh, the coast of Oregon. Is that right? That's correct. And so, and he's on the eastern part of the state, so he's probably about uh, 300 miles away from you, I guess. I wonder if anyone has ever asked him if they make a low salt salt lick. <laughs> I don't know. You'll have to call him up and ask him and see. I don't have a clue. <laughs> a question we wanted to ask him if there was time is what role his wife has played in his saga with PD. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I'm not sure that he is live or not, but we can uh, connect up with another caller and see if that might be him. Hold on and let me see who else can be on the line. Hello, uh, this is Robert, and we're connecting to you, area code 870. 
hello, Robert. Yes. This is Marie Judd. Oh, hello, Marie. Yes, he he isn't evidently. Um, uh, Wit isn't on the line. He's, I know, no, it, that was a pre-recorded discussion with him, and so I was just talk, talking to Paul and uh, Ginger, and we we had a question for him that uh, I don't think we'll be able to get answered today, but we can certainly follow up with uh, an answer uh, later and yeah. see what he has to say about that. Very pertinent question concerning wives. That's right. And it does sound like uh, if anybody does want a horse, they can certainly put a bid in through him. Now, whether or not that would go anywhere is another question. <laughs> We, Robert, we may we may be needing to be in touch. I took down that number because we're now out at a ranch location from where we were when we talked to you last spring, and uh, we had to get blown over here by a tornado to get here, but we got here. That was a pretty horrible experience for you, wasn't it? Well, it was pretty tough, but we it it was you know we can turn it into something good in the in the experience because we made it through so well, but. But we're at a ranch now. We may be looking for some horses in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) you've got which number. Now, tell people the name of your, Marie, tell people the name of your ranch. Well, we're calling it the Recovery Ranch. Uh, We've had that in our mind for several years now since we've been working on the recovery from Parkinson's. And uh, uh, we've, uh, very initially, we've started thinking about a about a place where people could be inspired to to go that direction with their life, despite the Parkinson's or any other neurological condition. And where is the ranch located in the United States? Well, right now we're located in Cattle Gap, Arkansas. Uh, it's it's being it, we're in the development and planning stages. Uh, it's a 92-acre place, but it's a it's a beautiful location in the Cattle Mountains in the Wachita National Forest. Um, I think it's going to really be great. Uh, may take us some time to develop it, uh, but we're we're working on that as we speak. Oh, uh, what a wonderful endeavor! It's quite amazing indeed. Paul and Ginger, did you have any other questions? Oh, let's see. We had one. I think we probably forgot it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> In the spirit of wit's humor. <laughs> really, we're multitasking, but not quite uh, quite the way we used to. <laughs> well, I'm a man. I don't multitask. That's not part of my uh, cafeteria of skills. Uh, I can only do one thing at a time. Right, right. So, nevertheless, it's, it's great to hear your voice again. Yes, and we're hoping that one of these days we'll be able to tune in properly. With <laughs> search on the illustrious search to get our computer tied in. Yep, we, we still are, are unable to do that, and yours is the only website that we are not able to get onto. So we are still trying to figure out what is happening in cyberspace. How interesting. But we will we will continue until we unravel this mystery. <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds wonderful. Well it's great to hear from both of you. Thanks for calling in. Thank you, Robert. Well, thinking, of, thinking of actually buying a salt lick that might help with <laughs> that might help. And then you can lick it yourself. You know, you know, Witt says they do DNA, but I, I don't think that's true. I think that's a fabrication. I think you can lick it yourself and submit it, and you might even be eligible for a prize. I'm willing to take the risk. <laughs> that's what I say. <laughs> I've been thinking the same thing. But apparently the colored salt licks uh, will get you a lot farther than just the white ones. So be careful about which one you buy. Thanks, Robert. We'll talk later. Bye-bye. Great. Thanks. Bye. And, Marie, thank you for uh, calling in. We appreciate uh, hearing from you and all the exciting things that you're doing. 
thank you. We we certainly enjoy your um, your visit here. You have have such a wonderful uh, forum here that you're doing with people. Well, thanks. Enjoy and I want to remind you. Enjoy the laughter. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. I know. <laughs> we do. And I want to remind everybody that um, all of the uh, radio shows and programs are archived, and they will always be archived. And so you can take any program that I've done, and you can download that to an MP3 player or an iPod player, you know, one of those little small things. And, uh, for example, when you do your exercise or when you take your walks, you can listen to any of the uh, previous programs. It's a little bit egregious to uh, sit at a computer and listen to the program sometimes, uh, especially if they're, uh, if they're recordings. Uh, but you can always download them and make it just a part of your regular uh, exercise routine. And you can do that from the uh, main uh, radio program website. So just so everybody knows, all of those programs are downloadable to your computer or to an MP3 player. And it's a way of being able to uh, get positive reinforcement for the prospects of being able to feel a great deal better, as you've seen uh, in, in incredible testimony from Whit Deschner, who's had Parkinson's for 10 years, but clearly is leading a very full, exciting, interesting, and a very happy life. Well, thanks so much, Marie, for you for calling in. It was wonderful to hear from you and to hear more about your activities at the ranch. Well, thank you. And that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart and all the men are handsome and all the children are truly loved. Know that you are on the road to recovery. Good day. <laughs>